Brazil is a podcast that analyzes the complexities of the largest Latin American economy and discusses its role on the global scenario. In each episode, a different specialist shares views on the great challenges of this player called Brazil. My name is Ciro Reis, in Sao Paulo. I see Brazil welcomes today Marcos Lisboa. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Marcos Lisboa is a Brazilian economist who held several important positions in the public and private sectors. PhD in economics from the University of Pennsylvania, he taught at Stanford University and also in Brazil. He was director, vice president and president of Brazilian organizations in the financial and insurance sectors. He also served as secretary of economic policy at the Ministry of Finance. Today, he is president of INSPIR, a top Brazilian business school. Brazil is being highly impacted by the pandemic. Economic activity has decreased, the fiscal deficit is high, the level of unemployment is a record. In addition, the vaccination process is very slow, which prevents a faster and more robust economic recovery. What are the factors that you could point out at least promising for Brazil to position itself better in the coming years? Well, first of all, I think it's better to take a step back to understand how Brazil reached the, uh, the pandemic. Brazil has been growing at a very low rate since the late 70s. So we faced several structural problems since that period. As a result of that, Brazil has been growing much less than other emerging markets, mostly outside Latin America. And uh, so we had the hyperinflation during the 80s. During the 90s and 2000s, uh, Brazil did some reforms. It was not a great period for the Brazilian economy, but at least we followed the average of the world, which uh, given our track record was a huge improvement. But since uh, 2010, I mean, we came back to this low growth and uh, harder problems. I think uh, coming back to your, to your question, uh, uh, the good news is that uh, there is a lot to be done in the Brazilian case. I mean, several of the problems we face are caused by ourselves. We have a dysfunctional tax system, and if you compare the Brazilian tax system to any reasonable country in the world, you see all the difference. A tax system that leads to misallocation of capital, that stores relative prices, and that uh, creates a lot of uh, fight between private society and the government. And the numbers in Brazil are astonishing. And uh, so that's number one. Number two, we're still a very close economy. And if you talk about missed opportunities, you know, from early 90s to before the pandemic, you know, you see all these emerging markets you know, growing a lot. And uh, in part, uh, they benefited from uh, uh, trade, right? I mean, the, the world was open, more open than before. And uh, a lot of markets in South Asia, you know, in East Europe, and even Latin America, look at Chile and some other countries, they did benefit from, from trade. However, Brazil has decided to uh, keep being a closed economy. And that means that uh, a lot of uh, technological developments that happen in other countries, for example, embedded in capital goods, do not reach Brazil or reach later and more costly. 
and that hurts productivity. So you have the tax system that leads to choice of technology and investment that are inefficient. Uh, we have trade that prevent Brazil from benefiting from uh, uh, technological development and trade itself with the rest of the world, right? And uh, we also have a lot of uh, judicial uncertainty in Brazil. It has always been the case, but in the last few decades or so, it got worse. You know, sometimes courts do not accept the contracts, you know, uh, you see governors or mayors, you know, that decide to, to say, well, we have this contract with this private company. Well, we think it's it, it, it's not fair enough. Let's reevaluate them. And that creates a lot of uncertainty. And you see that in private sector as well. So uh, very often in Brazilian case, you know, uh, uh, due to some opportunistic uh, reasons, you know, contracts are broken. And uh, that penalizes investment, mostly investment in, uh, in infrastructure, which requires long time to mature. And finally, Brazil for an emerging market has a very large state. Government is pretty big in Brazil. And however, it's very inefficient. So we have a 33% of tax burden in Brazil. That's a lot when compared to most of uh, emerging markets. You know? And uh, however, when you compare uh, the effect of uh, public policy on the welfare of population, we lag behind. Given the amount of money that we spend, for example, in education, one should expect much better results if you compare to other countries. The same happened to several social policies. And so uh, what I think uh, the good news, if I may call that, is that's in our hands to face these problems and the opportunities for growth are there to make a, a public sector more efficient. You know, that requires a huge reform in, in the state of Brazil, that to open the economy, to reform the tax system, and to work through uh, a more judicial security. But that's a, 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 a long way to go. In this context that you mentioned, what should be Brazil's homework to get back on track? I, I think, first of all, we have to understand that uh, our problems is not the uh, or at least it's not entirely in politics, right? Civil society itself often refuses reform. So people say we defend reform, we have to reform the tax system, we have to open the economy and so on and so forth. But when it comes down to the details, the special groups always block the reform. That has been the case in Brazil. It took us 20 years to do a previous obvious pension system reform. The rules of the game in Brazil were unsustainable. And uh, it took 20 years, you know. And when you talk about uh, uh, making public policy more efficient, it's the same. When you talk about education for how long in Brazil, and the results are pretty bad. The same happened to open the economy. I mean, we talk about that and often, and there are a lot of measures that were uh, already approved by the government. However, they are not put to work due to these blocks you know, of special interests. And the same happened to the tax reform. So every time we talk about, oh, let's have a usual VAT uh, system, you know, everybody paying the same, a very simple tax, that's, a, that's the most common tax in the world. And then uh, as some group discovered, no, but in this case, I may pay a bit more, so I am against. And they see all these movements of special interests against reform. I think that's the most urgent public debate in Brazil. I mean, do you like to leave this poverty trap we are in? Do you like to face uh, uh, reforms? or we are going to continue to be hostage of a special interest that blocks them. Unlike other sectors such as tourism and hospitality, clothing, automotive and many others, 
agribusiness in Brazil is doing very well. Agribusiness grew 9% last year and represents 20% of the total Brazilian GDP. What should be the ways to run away from those traps that you mentioned? Specific groups defending their own interests? No, first of all, uh, 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 groups that defend their own interests is normal. I mean, you see that all over the world. You, know, you see, uh, that's the most common. What is amazing in Brazil and, and in some countries in Latin America is the extent of the distortions. You know, uh, let me give you one number that uh, may help to understand. You know, for example, when we talk about uh, 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 conflicts between our IRS and society. You know, uh, you have that all over the world. And you look at the numbers. I mean, you, you have, there is a, a study from OCDE 2013, and the numbers haven't changed that much since then. You know, you look at the uh, CD countries, the numbers, I mean, the contentions are like a, a 0.29% of GDP. You go to the rest of Latin America, 0.19%. You go to Brazil, well, above uh, 15%, 16%, 15%, 60%, several times what you see in other countries. And, uh, and if you get the judicial disputes between society and IRS and locals and the, 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 the federal one, the numbers go up to 75% of GDP. That's unbelievable. And why is that? Because of the many special rules we have. We have so many special rules, so many special cases, so many special regimes, as a matter of fact, you know, that uh, leads to all these contentions. I mean, it's very hard to follow the rule in Brazil because people disagree about what the rules are, uh, given the amount of detail and special case do, that we have. So that's a simple example of, of the extent of the distortions you have in Brazil. If you go to trade, it's the same thing. You have high tariffs, but you also have a lot of non-tariffs restrictions to trade. You have local content rules that are very complex. So I think uh, uh, what strikes most about Brazil is the extent of the distortions and special rules that we have that leads to uh, uh, this uh, very difficult agenda of facing the reforms. And, and how to start to neutralize that complexity that you have just mentioned? I think there are two important things. First of all, is to explain the numbers. People, uh, uh, for example, uh, people do not understand why our tax system, which is so different from the other countries, so different, you know, and uh, uh, when you go to the details, it's amazing. It's very hard to explain to a foreigner our tax system because uh, so far away it is from the best practice uh, in that complexity, unbelievable, you know, and first of all, to explain. Uh, people are very afraid, for example, tax reform, sometimes by good reasons. I mean, they do pay uh, very few taxes, they will pay more, they will pay like the rest of society. But most of the times, they are just confused and uncertain. They don't know. They don't know what's going to happen to relative prices. They don't understand the rules of how uh, uh, VAT works, you know. And people do not understand how distant it is, you know, uh, the efficiency of our public sector when you compare even to other emerging markets, you know. So I think first step number one is get the numbers right and understand the problems and understand what are the best practices in other worlds. No? Second one, and that is beyond what we economists can do, is politics. You know, do you like to have a country what to have more equality of opportunities, or, uh, in which every single sector uh, uh, is treated essentially the same, that is open to trade, and uh, in which uh, the government 
is required to provide public services of quality, where we, we simply do not discuss only uh, uh, how much money we spend on education, but how many, uh, how much the students are learning. You know, it's amazing. That's not that's not a question in Brazil. We discuss a lot about the money, but not the education itself. I mean, are the students uh, learning really? I mean, what are they supposed to learn? You know, we lack basic tools for managing education, for example, in Brazil. I mean, you go to other countries, no matter if it's a country from the left to the right, you know, you you you, you know what the students should learn at each level, you know, you evaluate if the students are learning and you manage education. You have directors should be better, uh, you have professors should be better, and if that doesn't work, you try to change, and you are evaluating and trying to adjust public policy often. That's not the case in Brazil. We live in a sort of uh, dark room in education in Brazil, because we have all this freedom of what should be the students should learn, you know, and there is no really deep, detailed management of education, and you have a lot of rules that prevent uh, the government from doing that. So there is a lot to be done, really, uh, to force the public policy in Brazil. You are president of INSPER, a top Brazilian business school with several international accreditations in a special position within the Brazilian educational ecosystem. But looking at the national educational environment as a whole, especially the public system, there are many problems such as limited investments and lack of connections to a changing global landscape. Are you concerned these conditions may affect the quality of the Brazilian workforce and national competitiveness in the coming years? Oh, it does a hard, a red hand, right? I mean, look at what happened to uh, uh, the education of the labor force in the last uh, 40, 50 years in Brazil. It's amazing. I mean, uh, even other, even our neighbors in Latin America did a much better than us, job than us. Uh, it took us a long time to recognize that education was relevant in public education, and uh, actually, it happened. I mean, mostly after the 90s, and uh, but even after that, and even the society decide to allocate uh, more and more resources for education, we did not do a good job in managing public education. You know, uh, uh, again, having a basic curriculum, you know, evaluating if the students are learning properly, uh, uh, addressing the problems, you know, uh, we did not do that. So when you look at, for example, international comparisons, uh, and uh, how much our students have learned at the age of 15, for example, uh, we lag behind, much behind. You can plot in a graphic, you know, how much the country has spent on education as a percentage of GDP, and how much did the students learn. And you have this nice curve, which is, well, we may call it the uh, efficient frontier. Uh, uh, and Brazil is the farthest away country from the frontier. You know? So we put a lot of money but we don't get outcomes. And that happened a lot in public policy in Brazil. And that's a major challenge because uh, our public sector in Brazil uh, is protected by several rules that uh, prevent management, prevent evaluation, prevent uh, understanding how effective is public policy. What can we do better? Uh, let's promote, let's uh, uh, help the better public service uh, to advance the careers. That's not the case in Brazil. 
you know the rules are very uh, uh, they uh, they prevent doing uh, management in a detailed way and they essentially enable a large number of public services uh, pretty much all of them with stability and so on to have very predictable careers uh, no matter irrespective of the outcome of what they do Despite economic slowdown in 2020 due to the pandemic, the Brazilian stock exchange registered a significant advance in the number of IPOs. In all, 24 companies made their debut on the stock exchange last year, while in 2019 only five companies had gone public. For 2021, there is a forecast of 27 IPOs in the country. We are talking about uh, political issues, economic difficulties, and educational problems as well. So the question is, at this point, could Brazil move forward without some kind of national pact in order to solve in an in in integrated way all those uh, issues? I'm a bit skeptical about uh, national pact and so on, or, or to imagine that you have uh, half a dozen reforms and things will change. You know, that's not the case. You know, the problems are very detailed. You know, uh, 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 they are very specific. You, know, you need a lot of change. And sometimes in Brazil, we, we have this belief that there is a magical solution. You know, or you approve three, four, seven major reforms and, and you get away of the problem. That's not the case. Now, every time you, you enter in a subject, that, I mean, I go to the reform of the state, you know, tax system, you go to trade. I mean, there, there is a lot to be done. Clearly, there are major rules that have to be changed, but uh, it's often the case that you, you get, you have to get after that in very detailed reforms and change, you know. Uh, so uh, I, I'm a bit skeptical about the idea that we may have a national pact and uh, things will change, you know, and... Uh, and Brazil could uh, start growing very fast soon. Uh, on the other hand, I think the country is tired, you know, uh, many years of low growth, many years of social problems, this sense that we are lagging behind. And uh, let's see what politics bring to us, because uh, what you need are some basic principles of which direction Brazil likes to go. You know, uh, should we emphasize that we have to have public policies that are socially effective, that provide equality, uh, 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 access equal to education and basic social policies. Uh, should we agree that uh, uh, the role of the state is not to protect inefficient companies or sectors that Brazil has over and over again tried to produce and fail, and, they, uh, and that they only survive because of the all, all of this public money and protections that are given. I mean, I think these are some of the basic questions that that we have to address in Brazil. In Brazil, we defend equality, but often equality uh, of outcomes, not of opportunities. And we see this huge array of public policies designed uh, only to protect inefficient companies, you know, and that uh, uh, imply low productivity for the rest of the economy, you know, low technological gains and low growth, as a matter of fact. And looking to the big picture, ESG, diversity, equity and inclusion are important topics today on a global basis. Where is Brazil in relation to those topics? Well, I think there are good news and bad news on that matter. I think uh, 
companies, public sector, I mean, society in general, we're discussing a lot about that. No? And, and, and for quite a long time already. The bad news is that uh, we often rely on uh, very uh, uh, appealing measures that do not really address the problems. So uh, if you talk about social policies, for example, the first thing is, is to care about uh, kids' education. You know, seriously. No? Uh, if you talk about diversity, I mean, you should provide uh, uh, equality of opportunities, you know, and uh, however, uh, and that's a mass social policy, mass social policy, probably the most efficient one. But instead of tackling the problems that we face in that area, we go to the standard uh, 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 policies that help, uh, and, and they are important, you know, and they help some groups to get uh, good jobs and so on, but they don't deal with the deep social and large problems that we face for the majority of the population. Of course, we are all concerned nowadays with the environment in Brazil. I mean, that has been uh, a problem. Brazil did some advances uh, in the 2000s in that respect. You know? But uh, we see now this clash of uh, very strong uh, opinions and some of them very uh, worrying ones. You know? So I think that's a major concern for us and, and, and for the rest of the world right now. In your opinion, to what extent can or cannot the uh, 2022 general elections be an opportunity to put Brazil in a more balanced climate, this way neutralizing the political polarization that we have seen in recent years? I always tend to avoid discussing politics. You know, my way of seeing things, politics is the most relevant part of our debate. And it reflects social choices that we have to make and you know and society can uh, can decide to have a larger state more focus on social policy a large state more focus on helping uh, producers you know or foster policies uh, 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 that will improve competition and so on these are major decisions that society has to have and there is no right or wrong i mean these are social dilemmas that all countries face and no, tough choice to be made. What I think is uh, uh, our role is, uh, is to go to step two of that discussion, which is something that you usually don't do in Brazil, no matter if it's the right or the left, you know, is how to implement the measures in the most efficient way, how to take care of the details. I mean, you defend some industrial policies. I think they fail in Brazil often. I mean, uh, most of the times you are captured by special interests, but, but okay. But uh, uh, but did you, did you care about the details of how to implement? Or again, in Brazil, uh, maybe there will be some discussion about, you no, know, the government has to, uh, uh, to support investment infrastructure and so on. It's very easy. You get a set of projects and you get the job done. And you're going to repeat all over again the huge failure we had from 2008 and 9 onwards. You know, I mean, you look at the, all the major products and they were very expensive. They were done at that period. You know, they fail. You know, you try to have a, a, a naval industry again in Brazil. You try to help Petrobras to become the largest, one of the largest company in the world. Uh, you provided several uh, subsidies and tax breaks for many, many sectors and they fail. I mean, when you look at the numbers, you know, return on equity of uh, uh, public companies uh, dropped continuously from 
2011 onwards, you know, investment did the same. And you look at the major products supported by the government, I mean, the major one, they fail immensely, right? So the same things happen right now. You have all this speech, you know, during the campaign about liberalization, privatization. But when you look at the details of the measure, I mean, you, you simply have some, you know, catchy measures that people think, well, the, maybe now we are going in the right direction. I think, I mean, people are less confident uh, as the time goes by, but, but anyway. But when you look at the details of the measures, you know, uh, either they were captured by special interests or they are technically pretty bad, you know, the people thought little about them. And that's what worries me. So you have the public debate, you have the political views of, of the world. Now, Latin America, especially Brazil, Argentina, and some other countries have this some very peculiar view of the role of the state. But that's fine, you know, that's part of the game. Uh, what surprised me in Brazil is how we work little about the technical details. And you saw that in the pandemic, you know. I mean, the government, I mean, we have uh, taxpayers were in immensely generous. I mean, the amount of money that society decides to transfer to help companies, uh, uh, the poor people, uh, states, counties, well, for a country like Brazil, huge amount of money, huge amount of money. However, when you look at the details on how the policies were implemented, no, it's a huge disappointment as well. Yeah? You look at the, at the health policies, the inability to do, to do the basic, to have protocols, to coordinate uh, uh, federal, uh, state, uh, uh, and local policies, and so on. So, uh, uh, execution in Brazil uh, is our is our disaster. We are talking about efficiency and lack of efficiency. So, my last question is: uh, thinking of companies with a presence in Brazil, what are your suggestions? Uh, for them to remain competitive, effective in the national market and to be successful or potentially successful in the international market. On the other hand, considering companies that are not in Brazil, but are considering about investing in this country, what kind of advice would you give to them? Well, I think uh, uh, the most successful companies in Brazil in the long term are the ones who are continually uh, innovating, you know, bringing new management, new ideas, new products, uh, uh, new technologies. You know, and we do have several companies in Brazil that do that in an impressive way. And uh, when they can, to be part of the international game, to enter in other markets, because that forces you to be efficient, you know. Efficiency is an everyday game. You have every day to wake up again and how can I do better? What is the new technique? What is the new opportunity? You know, uh, big companies tend to get accommodated, you know. And uh, so uh, this uh, effort of being exposed to competition all the time helps companies to continue being efficient. That's the moment of the game. Of course, in Brazil, you have all this temptation of just relying on the state. No, maybe it's easier than, uh, than trying to be competitive in a global market. It's easier to go to Brasilia and ask for a special favors. I mean, the state, the Brazilian state is so generous uh, in that respect. So, and that's what a lot of companies do. They are all the time, you know, going to Brasilia and to local governments and asking for more help. And that's pretty bad because that's precisely the opposite of becoming 
productive efficient uh, and uh, that explains part of our low growth in brazil uh, if you talk about foreign companies i mean learn the environment learn the economic environment in brazil we are very different from other uh, countries our tax system is impressively complex and inefficient and uh, can create for you guys a lot of uh, scare if you are not well prepared on that rules to invest to construct are very complex as well the general framework in brazil we like to have very detailed rules like uh, uh, the legislator uh, tries to answer every single possible question in the law we believe very little in the agencies to implement the policies we like the laws to regulate everything exempted right and we fail the laws became very complex uh, sometimes there are there are a lot of contradictions among laws yeah, uh, the complexity is amazing so just for the people who really like to to get in the details uh, uh, can understand so learn the economic environment i think brazil is a country with a lot of opportunities but a lot as well has to be done to achieve that and for the time being it remain an impressively complex country Marcos Lisboa, thank you very much for your views in the podcast I See Brazil. Thank you. You've just listened to I See Brazil, a podcast that helps you better understand the largest Latin American economy. 